Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. How are you, Ryan? Tired. How are you? I'm really happy. Aww. Yeah, so my friend Ryu, um, Ryu Verkel, fantastic sports photographer, on Twitter, at Toksuede, T-O-K-S-U-E-D-E. His mum is visiting from Japan and we were playing in this fireside football tournament this weekend, which we won, which was very exciting. And during the final, his mum walks up along the touchline during the game and he's playing at like right wings. So it was really oh, nice. Oh, really played? Yeah, really played. It was really nice. Um, so his mum turns up and she knew it was my birthday last week. She's like, oh, happy birthday, Musa, after the game, after we won. We won 5-1 in the final. It was very exciting. And she gave me this amazing figurine and it was a figurine of Iniesta. What? In his, yeah, in his Visokobi kit. A little, wow. Yeah, like, kind of like her wobbly head. Like, and he has this really beautiful figurine and she's like, I thought you'd like it. Oh my God, that's such a great present. <laughs> it was so adorable. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm really excited. I was almost like tearing up. It was so lovely. Aww. It was so thoughtful. And then you had the draw that felt like a win over Liverpool. Yeah, but you referred to it before United the podcast. United are back. <laughs> at the wheel, everyone. at the wheel. It's fine. Back on road. It's funny because you, you referred to it before the podcast started as the big game, but it's weird. These big games, this fixture always feels so small. Like it feels claustrophobic. It feels oddly intimate, but also it's, it's such a big game in a sense that it sucks the life out of it. It's everyone's so afraid to lose. And then, so if, if you're afraid of losing, the first casualty of that is entertainment. It wasn't the best game I've ever seen, put it that way. It wasn't. And I think it was tactically very smart from Solskjaer using a 3-4-3 three, three, or kind of 3-4-1-2. It was more of a 7-1-2. Oh, no, fine. Fair. Absolutely fair. And it was, was a, a joke. No, but it, it was, and it was a very reactive uh, team. They have to do that, though. The gap in quality is so great that trying to go and play them off the park wouldn't have really worked. And to be fair, I've seen more negative-looking Mourinho sides and Van Gaal sides line up against Liverpool for the last few years. True, and also as well, I actually made the point to a friend yesterday that, <laughs> strange as it might sound, we were better for not having Paul Pogba in the team because when he is a source of creativity, he's the only source. And so everyone just targets him and he's surrounded by two or three players. And that's where the possession goes. And then the midfield becomes a black hole. Whereas with this more conservative configuration, what's of Pereira ahead of McTominay and Fred, that tight triangle where your job is primarily to shut down, it, it ends up being effective. And it's not a strategy that will get United into the Champions League spots, but it's a strategy that will keep them afloat in mid-table while players return from injury. And you can, you can build on that, I suppose. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting how Young and Wan-Bissaka were pushed really high on, on Liverpool's full-backs, wing-backs. Yep, yep, yep. I think he pulled a really good card there. It was smart, wasn't it? It was smart. It stops you them know, credit due, He's had a lot of stick when things haven't been that great. He has. You know, I think with, with Salah out of the side, obviously apart from Mane, uh, the biggest threat comes from, from the wing back. And I think that was a smart move doing that. There's a couple of games he's coached where tactically he's been brilliant. That's the funny thing. Using a false nine, using Lingard as a false nine, Lingard's form has fallen off a cliff, which I think is why now Pereira is playing this false nine role or, you know, that he played the other day. Or well, a ten, but you know, withdrawn. I mean, that's what Lingard was meant to be. Like, I mean, we you can know, get into the technical. Yeah, but, you, you know, you know, it what, is what it is. As the, cent- the central player whose primary role is not goal scoring, but splitting the centre backs, and also a lot of it depends on where the ball is. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, Lingard's form has fallen off a cliff, so Pereira has to play that role now. And Solskjaer used that really to very good effect last season, a couple of games, and again now, and you see actually why Lukaku was sold because 
to play that role is incredibly self-sacrificial and a central striker will not enjoy it. And Lukaku's, although he can play wide, the best use of Lukaku is not as a wide player. He doesn't enjoy that in a sustained period and he doesn't, he deserves better. I mean, look at him at Inter. He's, you know, scoring every week and having a great time out there apart from the <laughs> the vestiges of old school racism that permeate the crowd. But really, Solskjaer, this is a tactical triumph and I want to give that credit because as you say, he's had so much criticism. And just specifically that that, that strategy of having the young and Ron Bissaka high up, that's great because that stops the fullbacks building up ahead of steam and it cuts off the playmaking function. And it's putting a bit of faith in the back three, actually, to really be without the ball, but also when they're on the ball, use it wisely. And we had three ball players in the back three. Lindelof, Rojo, and uh, Maguire are three good ball-playing centre-backs. Yeah. And, and that worked. I mean, Rojo's strength actually is not defending, it's his distribution and the speed at which he gets the ball. No, let's get real. His, his strength is his shit already before anything. If, was, oh. if shit Alzheimer was a stat on FIFA, Rocco would have like a hundred. In Rojo's defence, what I will say is he <laughs> like a platinum FUT card or whatever it is. That is correct. What I will say is <laughs> Rojo's second greatest strength <laughs> is his ability to play the early ball into feet in midfield. He's really good at that. Um so yeah, I'm just happy for Solskjaer and for United. But the weird thing was this I saw a comment, oh, this is the big fixture. It's the one whose result dictates the mood you have the next week, and I thought. Actually, it's not because I think I've emotionally distanced myself from United. I'm so... <laughs> yeah, but that's you though. I think that's... that's me. I'm not living in the thick of You're it. You're not I'm... the target audience there. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not surrounded. I'm not a Mancunian surrounded by Scousers at work. And for that person, the last five years have been an yeah. absolute... And the next decade, frankly, are going to be an absolute hell. Yeah, I think it was just so important for United not to get a hammering. I know this is just Insight 101, but... Someone's got to say the obvious things. There were a lot of people that were talking about them getting an absolute hiding before the game. Yeah. But they didn't. And yep. they did well, I thought. I thought it was yep. the worst I've seen Liverpool play for a long, long time. Mm. And I'm not sure whether that was entirely down to United's tactics or whether it was down to kind of the occasion. There was a lot of talk on the Sky commentary of playing the occasion and not the game or not the opposition. That happens so often at Old Trafford. Well, I mean, yeah. They, they kept referring to the Arsenal game that ended the unbeaten run. Exactly. And stuff like that. Yeah, I got that, but it was also a very different Manchester United in terms of quality and aura and intensity. But do you know what I think sometimes happens? I think that although Liverpool won all eight games before this one, you know those times when you think that although we've won all eight, we're due a bad result. And that, I think that kind of, if you look at some of the games Liverpool have won late on, fans will be looking at that and thinking, yes, we've got this 100% record, but things haven't quite clicked and sooner or later, we'll get a banana skin, we'll get a Norwich City or a Wolves result. And I think, you know, people looking at that anxiously and talking to Liverpool fans who are more anxious than I was about this game, there was like, oh my God, could this be a banana skin? And I think this, in the long run, will be a result, they, a game they safely navigated. Sometimes you see Arsenal fans talking about potential fixtures and they're like, nah, that's a, that's a banana skin. Like that's, Every single game. But you know talking about? <laughs> 38 banana skins a season for oh Arsenal. God, my God. I know, but there's like these... <laughs> But like Arsenal fans know they like they know that this specific result is going to be brutal and and then there's Everton. I mean Everton you can't predict anything with Everton. God God bless Everton. Can I just say like that win? They needed it. It's like a box of frogs, that that team. It's like Louis Van Hal's Barcelona. You just have no idea what's coming out of it. It could be anything. It could be and that's part of the attraction. Do you know what I thought though? I a little bit a little bit cynical. When when Sigerson's goal went in, this glorious strike from distance late on, I was like, 
don't pretend that little celebration you do that kind of like humble no don't pretend you're not leaping up and down you're going to get home and shut the door and you're going to backflip in your living room you're so excited and it was so funny because he was trying to do the whole mancini oh the ball goes in i'm unruffled i don't even care but yeah. he was clearly like oh my goodness we've won we've actually done it that was sigurdsson's one of those for the season kind of thing yeah, and it was, I mean, that win for Everton was big. Watching Bernard score, it was so fitting because it was That goal like, was so good. It was a beautiful goal. Like he almost, it's like a stop motion dribble. He goes, he turns away from goal and beats the same defender twice. It's glorious. With the right coach, that team does really good things. I just want them to do well. Me too. I want like, I mean, I know it's like Allegri or whatever, but... But I think Everton's such an interesting prospect for a manager like Allegri because the kind of major top teams around Europe, kind of locked down to a degree. Yeah. Someone like Everton would be a really interesting job for him, I think. Everton are basically here to Berlin. They're a huge club, right? They're a huge mm. club. In the, in the, here's the thing. Hear this out. I don't know. They're a huge that's club. very kind to Hertha. They're a huge club who, with the right injection of something else, I mean, Hertha's case, I think it's a new ground. I think that's big. I think if you put that same fan base in a smaller setting, a really intense setting, you build something really exciting the next two, three years. And I think Everton, as I say, in terms of stage that they're at, Everton are really under, they're underperforming relative to how big they are as a club. And if you had them in, in a really nice new stadium and got a manager in who basically said, look, for the next two, three years, we're just going to play expressive football and get this thing done and build a core of young players. I think they are going to be a really exciting prospect. There's no reason why they shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I look at them and go, because if, if you've got someone in like a marketing brain who was like, look at the heritage of this club, this club basically, if this club had been allowed to be in the Champions League or the European Cup, it would have stormed Europe. I mean, it's the fact that Everton, Everton's period of strength coincided with Liverpool, you know, getting that sort of European wide ban in general is one of the great tragedies of football because to have seen Everton on the European stage at that point in their history, they would have attracted a quality of signing, I think, that would have put them in a different category. Yeah. So they're kind of playing catch-up. And I don't use the Everton hair to think because I think those are both clubs which have this hidden leap in them. And I'm really excited. I think Allegri would be the guy. I think he's so box office and so accomplished that I think he would send Everton surging. So yeah, Allegri for Everton. Oh, poor Marco Silva. Yeah, poor Marco. But alas, poor Marco, I knew him well. Hey, we've skipped on without even talking about VAR in the Manchester United game. We have because I was trying to segue away. <laughs> Did you not want to talk about it? I'm just not that bothered by it. I'm like... I mean, what more can we really say about VAR that no one else has said? Can I, can I put, this, put the absurdity in its purest context? Borussia Dortmund beat Mönchengladbach at uh, the weekend 1-0. See, I'm trying to reel it back in and you're already... I'm giving that... Dying to Germany. I'm giving an extreme case. There was a disallowed goal because Marco Royce's heel was offside. Yeah, that was wild. And so VAR, we are really in the the teething stages still of it. We you shouldn't know, be. We shouldn't so. be. But then how far back? You look at the, the foul for the United goal. You might say, well, that should have been a foul. Well, actually, I'm quite sanguine about it. Well, yeah, I mean, call it back. If we're being consistent, we call it back for a foul. It was. You it know. was a foul. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely a foul. And, it, the, and the thing that I got a little bit miffed about was a lot of people saying that in the replay there's not enough contact there for it to be a foul. I don't, I hate doing this thing where you do like the, for anyone who's played football kind of talk, because it usually, a little bit Brexit, isn't it? <laughs> but, but when you get a kick on the calf like that, it hurts. Yeah. And in, in the slow-mo, it doesn't look like it's that much, but it's a sore one and it's a foul. 
and he wasn't near the ball. It reminded me of the moment in this five-a-side tournament when one of our players gets kicked by the um, opposition player and the ref goes, oh, foul here. And the guy goes, what, what? He goes, but he fouled me first. And the ref goes, I, well, I'm, I didn't see that, but I've seen the foul here. I'm giving a free kick. And he goes, okay, well, I, I did foul him, but I didn't mean it. And I'm like, this is like, to me, it's like VAR, the internal inconsistencies. I burst out laughing 40 yards away and the guy heard me. I was laughing so loud. I was like, that was me. It was pure VAR. It's like, oh my God, uh, that must be the wildest experience <laughs> on a football pitch. And all of a sudden you just hear you going, ah, 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 from like the other side of the pitch, <laughs> just bellowing around this like old German football plats. Well, I loved it because I was basically playing centre-back uh, for most of the tournament Whoa. and also in goal. And so basically I had a podcast. I was basically talking, commentating on the game while it was happening. It was perfect for me. Oh my God. Yeah, it was per podcast. But um, the VAR thing was, just, you know, this internal inconsistencies are threatening to damage a system in its inception, you know, because already it's been so, not discredited, but it's already so unpopular. It feels like the NFL sometimes, these massive callbacks and consulting. And don't get me wrong, I, I get it. I get why you're consulting in these games, the things that the margin's so small. Sadio Mane's use of his hand, actually, in a different era, if you'd even had a kind of replay and they'd been like, oh my God, it turns out Mane actually handballed it. Would there have been that much enduring grief over it? I mean, yeah, kind of, but also it wasn't like he caught the ball, you know? He controlled it lovely with his hand, though. So. He did, yeah, true, true. I mean, it wasn't like Henri against Ireland where he basically... Snagged an offensive rebound, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could tell from you could tell from Manu's celebration that he knew he was going to get pulled back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And enough. and the calmness of De Gea just walking out, pointing to his hand. He turned around to Lindelof and he said something like, "Did you push him or did you foul him?" You could see him ask him something, no, no. And, and Lindelof was like, "No, no, no, I didn't do anything." He was like, "Right, okay." And then he just carried on calmly walking to the ref, being pointing to his hand, being like, "It was handball. It was handball." This is something I want to talk about as well, which is really funny. I think how VR is changing the players. Yeah. So not only how they foul, but also how they run. So like when, when Roy's got caught offside against uh, Gladbach, you saw him holding his run, like in the second half when he scores, you saw him holding his run like much earlier in the transition. And I'm like, this is so funny. VAR is changing the angles of runs players are making, yeah. the lateness, because it's now like, if you're going to be offside, VAR is going to get you, stand two, yard, two feet back than you normally would and then make the angled run either run deeper or run at an angle, like slant it. And it's fascinating watching the configuration. It's there's no coincidence either that we're seeing somewhat less of the dark arts off the ball that defenders normally do because they know it can get pulled back. So interesting. We'll talk about it later, but there was one in the Real Sociedad Betis game for the Betis goal, actually. And Antonio Barragan was leaning to run. If you're pushing off to make a run, your upper body leans. Yeah. It's just... It's, it's physics, right? Right. Is it physics or is, I suppose it's biomechanics? Biomechanics, where you kind of lean to push off and your body, your upper body is ahead of your feet. And they were almost going to call it back because I think maybe his, like one of his ears was offside. Oh, God. But it turned out it wasn't offside in the end. There's a great clip, actually, about this in relation to VAR. It's David Bowie talking about the internet in 1999. Oh, my God. Someone needs to redub that with VAR. Yeah, exactly. VAR is like that. He says, oh, like the internet. And then Paxman's going, the internet's just another method of delivery, isn't it? And Bowie's like, no, it's going to change everything. Like you talk about life on Mars, it's landed. That's the internet. And I'm like, I feel like the VAR is like life on Mars. It's, it's reconfiguring how we imagine the game and how we imagine ourselves playing the game for professionals anyway. Like mm -hmm. the way they engage with it is totally different. Yeah. Oh, Bowie. But that clip is astonishing, actually, when you look at it, like the profits of, not the profits of doom, but just the kind of warnings. 
So we're still on Man U Liverpool, but let's go elsewhere. We're let's trying go. really hard not to be. I'm not, am I? No, I'm, I'm just... I just I suppose we've done. Yeah, Do we need to talk about anything else in the Premier League? Manchester City's... Crystal Palace. Manchester City's weird chopper-chop kit. <laughs> um, so horrible. It's a kind of like faded version of Barcelona. It's like global hyper-collar, isn't it? Yeah, but it, yeah, oh, it's just strange, strange football kit. It's like a fruit salad suite. Are we going to talk about Spurs Watford? That was another strange VAR thing. VAR decision, no goal. Ref gives the goal. Someone just pressed the wrong button, didn't they? And then the Deli Alley goal was a really great finish late on. Yeah, and it was good, actually. There's a great clip of Sun on the bench just looking frustrated. And one is a big, a really great Twitter account, bankrupt Spurs on Twitter, and tweeted and said, look, like, Sun, like, make this guy, <laughs> make this guy prime minister. Put him in charge of the club. And another comment beneath that basically said, oh, my God, like, Spurs are so... They made the happy. They're, 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 we're so um, indifferent or so bad at the moment. We've made the happiest player in football unhappy, mm-hmm. and it's so wild to think back. You look at the very end of Spurs' transfer window, and we were just. And I was ecstatic. I thought this is thrilling. They've made all the right signings, all the right pieces. They made two signings though, right? But Lacelso was amazing as an acquisition, and Dombele. And Dombele was fantastic too. And they brought. They have a player on loan. They brought back in. They didn't make a. They didn't sign a right back. Yeah, that was, we spoke about this though. This was huge. This was yeah, the right back. Was, and they brought Michelle Vaughan back. And all, all the fears, all the fears about the right back position, have been even greater than people anticipated. But they should just be better. You think they should, they be, should better. be better? They should be better. You know, another year together, and they've just announced that all or nothing documentary on Amazon oh, no. from last year, which got so much. Oh God, that was just such a. An announcement made for Twitter. It was. Made for football Twitter. It was. People feasted on that. It was like an all-you-can-eat football buffet. It was a buffet. It was a... a football banter buffet. And it everyone was. just went all the way in. And you know, like, back for ice cream, and they're putting all of the toppings on, and they were all gonna, they were, ate so much, they were all going to be sick later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I was going to tweet about this, but then I didn't want people to think that I was being a troll, so I didn't. But obviously, you don't know how much access you got and how much is going to be edited. But I kind of find the, the the prospect of a Spurs documentary series like that more interesting because it, a lot of those ones are always built on success. Much more interesting. And obviously it's success in the fact that they got to the final. That's a massive success for Spurs anyway. But the fact that it didn't end in a trophy or didn't end in this kind of massively glorious thing, I actually find that more interesting than the one with Manchester City where you kind of, it's like, yeah, they won everything. Well done. Like Spurs are Mario Valeri's leads actually. When you look at O'Leary's leads and the brilliance of the football they played and you think this deserved a trophy of some kind, they deserve something. This team was, no one enjoyed playing Leeds at that period. And you can argue that they were the catalyst for Arsenal's brilliance and United's brilliance. Beating Leeds at Ellen Road, I've mentioned this before, was such a statement simply because Leeds were so brilliant. I remember the title run-ins. There was one season where we beat Leeds at Ellen Road, 1-0, golf Mandy Cole on, on the break. And they were just unbelievable at every position. And not just every position, but their squad was so deep. They had like 11 players, right? In the 11th, first 11, of course. But then another seven that could have started quite easily. They had an interchangeable 11. They were like almost like a Deportivo, or the Deportivo eventually won. But they had that sort of tragic... Deportivo, La Coruña, Leeds and Spurs are sort of this trio of brilliant teams that never got their due and which the history books will not remember but without whom I don't think United win that treble. I don't think United would have won a treble without being battle-tested against teams like that. Yeah, And I just feel sad for Spurs. You make a great point about this documentary. I think actually 
it's important to have this documentary to document as a legacy thing because this was an incredible season for Spurs. Not so good in the league, but this documentary, I like it because it at least captures something of the brilliance of what Spurs were and are, assuming they have peaked, you know, assuming that Harry Kane physically, for whatever reason, is not quite the force that he was. It's just the wear and tear. So I'm, I'm glad for the documentary, even though people mocked it on social media. Yeah. Uh, before we move on and take a break, my game of the weekend in the Premier League was Aston Villa Brighton. What a game. I love Grealish. I love what Grealish is doing. I just love this kind of like miniature messy vibe. Always looks like he's just come back off holiday, Jack Grealish. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> I just like seeing teams that are coached out of the, you know, they coach the very extent of their means and who I both want to see stay up. Not that I want to see a team particularly go down, but these are two teams who I always root for when I see them, you know, on the sort of the fixture list. Uh, should we take a break? We've gone on for ages. Go for it. All right, back from the break. We haven't done shout-outs for ages. Should we do some shout-outs? Yep. Go on. Okay, I want to shout-out, it's a bit of a cliche, but Alexandra Pop, who I spoke to last week for an interview for ESPN FC, which is coming up soon, and was just blown away by how humble she was. Brilliant striker for Wolfsburg and the captain of Germany's national team. And a real pleasure to have time to be in her company and talk about the games. And something so surreal, talking to a multiple Champions League winner and someone who's basically done it on the biggest stages and yet hold so much space for everyone else. And there was a great moment when we are talking, I said, look, like, you're a striker who sometimes there'll be like these big games where you're interesting. You, there'll be a 6-0, an 8-0, 8-0. You won't score in those games. But in a 3-0 away from home, you'll score the first two goals in like 15 minutes. Like you've got this very keen sense of timing of when to score and when not to. And she said, yeah, that, and that's because early in my career, people saw me as a threat. And now I have this kind of respect where I might draw two or three players to me because they're like, she has a reputation. And that creates so many goals for our midfielders who break from deep. So actually, I'm a lot of the time like a decoy. Um, and I thought it was such a humble way to understand how you're perceived and the damage you can create even when you're not scoring yourself. So yeah, yeah shout out. I just like, I really liked that. I was really impressed by that. Yeah. Your chat didn't inspire her to uh, score on the weekend though. She got an injury. She was off out. She, she got an injury after um, half an hour. Early yellow for a bad foul and then... Went off after like... They did win 3-0 though. They're still top of the Fram Bundesliga. They did, they did. Yeah, it didn't inspire. I don't, I don't think I... I don't think I'm in the... I don't think I could ever inspire Alexander Pop to do anything, but it'd be nice to think I had. Did you do the interview in German? It was really nice. She actually... We did the questions in English and she replied in German. And then I followed up in German. There was a really nice moment when she was talking about um, the evolution of the modern player and how the old players, like when she came through, the communication staff and the, sort of the legends in the dressing room was a bit more direct and maybe a bit harsher. And there was a time when we were talking, I thought for the sake of us doing German, and she was like, the modern player is a bit more, and I was like, what, like much more sensitive, much more this. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And then she replied in German, and then we just carried on like that. And the, at the end of the day, the PR was like, oh, like, you actually understand this stuff? I was like, yeah, like, I just, I don't speak German as well as I understand it. Not just a great laugh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a great laugh. You don't need to translate this laugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a bit random, but like, a friend of mine who listens to the podcast, um, when I passed my 40th birthday, he sent me like one, you know, this aging app yeah. that basically makes your face old and greyer and he used it. <laughs> I wasn't that much older or greyer. <laughs> well, 
Oh, I was going to make a ball joke, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Can't grow nothing. Do you have that friend of mine? That friend of mine, we bumped into a friend of mine. Ryan, I remember this. We bumped into a friend of mine the other night. And he was like, Moose, I've gone in your direction now. Oh, yeah. yeah he he just, shaved off he his, shaved his head. He shaved his afro and his beard. And I'm like... See, my reaction was, what, you've got a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Oh, God. Anyway, sorry, back to you. Who, who's your shout out? Uh, well, before I do my shout out, should we just co- cover the rest of the Frown Bundesliga? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so Bayern beat Potsdam 3-1. Yeah. Hoffenheim. 3-1 against Leverkusen. Yeah, on Friday. They're looking really good. They're only three points behind Wolfsburg, who are still... 100% record. Wolfsburg has scored 29 goals and conceded two in seven matches. Their goal difference is plus 27. You called this, though, that Hoffenheim would be the team. You said this from early. They just look good, man. Yeah, yeah. They look really good. And it's it will be really interesting because only two teams qualify for the Champions League. So, you know, if Bayern drop out of that Champions League, that's big. I've but, got, I mean, Bayern have had a... They've lost a lot of players this season. They have. And, and, and also think, Potsdam sorry, too. Sorry, Potsdam too. I mean, Potsdam yeah, I mean, sold their two best players to... Yeah, I mean, Essen are fourth. They're level on points with Bayern. They're only three points behind Hoffenheim. So, I mean, that that top four, I think that top four is the four that could really push Wolfsburg for the other Champions League spot. They, they, it's the resources. I think Essen's problem is just, it's just the firepower that, you look at Wolfsburg, yeah. and they had, they were, had Eva Payar was out and they still like steamrolling to wins. Well, I think they've gone in the direction of, their, their real focus is the Champions League this for year. For sure, yeah, yeah. They're like, this is their... You they can still, see all the moves they made. They still think about that game. You know, that was really the real final, that second leg, the 4-2 loss to Lyon. And it is, it burns. Speaking of Lyon, they drew 0-0 to Dijon oh, on the weekend. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I thought it was a. I thought it was an error at first or like half time. But yeah. That is a spicy result. I have to get down there for a game, actually. I've got to get down to Lyon for a game at some point. Yeah, any excuse to go to Lyon. That's true, actually. And Lovely also, can I, can I be honest? Lyon, Dijon, the food... Oh, the food derby. Can, stop? can we, Do you remember Porto played Roma in the Champions League? Oh, and I was like, Lord. you imagine the food that you consume in the consecutive. Oh, God. Stop it. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Sorry, any carry on. Carry uh, on. All right, my shout out is for Casey Stoney, Manchester United women's manager. They, they beat Manchester City 2 0 in the Continental Cup, which is the women's league, the cup, league cup. Yeah. Which, if you think the Carabao Cup gets a rough ride, try the Conti Cup. Everyone's slagging it off. You can't see it anywhere. No. And the FA Player website, they haven't even got any record that there were any games this season on there. So I couldn't watch anything. I, I missed, the only clips I saw were various Twitter accounts posting clips of the goals, like Beth Mead's brilliant goal for Arsenal against Charlton. That is the bend on that. The ball orbited and almost went through a wormhole. Like the finish, it, it, it turned almost like 90. I love that angle. But, yeah. um, there was a goal... Nowhere near as good as Beth Mead's, just to clarify from the start. But when we had training on Thursday last week and uh, I scored a goal where I was kind of not in a similar position, but a little bit further in. So right. the angle was a bit kinder. But because the ball got played across to me mm. and I hit it first time, the bend on it, it started far post and went inside the near post. Oh, wow. Because the, that, that natural like because whip you, of yeah, the ball. Because she carried on the same line. That's it. When, when she runs in, when, when she meets the ball... She's on the same angle that she's run and she's still got that kind of, you've hit the corner, so your body's actually still in that. Yeah, I mean, just, it was yeah. nowhere near as good as Beth Mee's goal. But what I'm saying is that those goals are really fun to strike because you, cause you've got the natural momentum of the ball coming towards you. Of course. And if you catch it sweet, you get this just this really unreal trajectory. So yeah, 
shout out to Casey Stoney because that's that's a big big result for Manchester United. I love the addition of Jackie Grunin as well. I think that's yeah. huge. What I mean, I we that- said that when they came up, they were almost already like a, a women's Super League level side, but you know, and they made really good signings. And obviously, being a Manchester United, of course, women's side, they're not going to do things. No, no. What I love about Spurs is as well that those two terms have come up have both equipped themselves really well, mm. and they've pushed. And hopefully it will have positive effects for the English teams in the Champions League. Now the league is that bit stronger. It's battle testing them. I think this the closing stages of the Champions League this year are going to be really, really tasty, actually. Because each team in each league has got someone pushing them. has got someone kicking them a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. But my beef with this is that it, I know that it's the third least important competition in the English domestic league. But still, can we just watch some highlights, please? Do you want to do some questions before we move on? Yeah, sure. From Manchester United Liverpool. This is from Santiago at Santiago Elvera. Can you see other teams taking inspiration from the United game against Liverpool and a new belief start to grow that other teams in the Premier League can also take points off them? Yes. When you have a leading team that shows a weakness, people pile into the gap. So you look at Norwich. It's no coincidence that Norwich and um, Wolves beat City so close together I think when you see the kinds of games they play in the break the transition coaches will have looked at Norwich's defeat of City and said okay transition has to be optimal we have to absolutely nail them on the break we have to identify the weak points watch them play out from the back isolate their slower players against our quickest players and I think this is now every time a team gets points off a side like Liverpool and Manchester City it creates a blueprint so be prepared to see fullbacks being higher up the pitch. And one bissaka is interesting because one bissaka actually has been fairly deep lying this year, considering yeah. he's a quick guy and he's got that, maybe add the attacking side to his game, but he's been fairly conservative for most of these, these fixtures. So yeah, expect to see fullbacks pushed higher and teams not necessarily going to back three, but being braver. And actually Sheffield United as well may feel even more vindicated because they had a narrow defeat to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And you could argue they actually provided the blueprint that Solskjaer used to, to good effect because they had that, I think the three five two, Yeah. Fairly similar configuration as it worked out. three five two or three four one two. So yeah, um, credit to Sheffield United for masterminding United's point against Liverpool. We're recording this ahead of Sheffield United-Arsenal, so oh, this is why we're not going to comment on Sheffield United's 9-0 win. Yeah, but actually think, do you think, I think that's a fair comment to say Sheffield United may have provided some of the yeah. inspiration for that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? We're going to come on to the Bundesliga in a minute, but so I'll cover a couple of the questions. Oh, here's one from at Just Cuda. Is Ollie's job still at risk? Even though it was a draw, it doesn't outweigh the last eight games. I don't think it was at risk. I think that... He's he, their guy. He? I think Edward has, Edward has so much investment Edward, emotionally. Edward? Edward. Edward. Edward Woodward. Edward, Edward Woodward. <laughs> Edward Woodward. <laughs> How much wood does a woodchuck chuck? Does a woodchuck? chuck? Um... <laughs> um you Tongue keep, twisters. You, 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 you got to keep that in. No. I will. I, will. <laughs> uh, I don't think his job ever was in danger from the United hierarchy. I think there's just so much investment in him, both personally, emotionally, that that he was going to stay. Mm-hmm. He's Woodward's guy, and he stands as long as Woodward stands. Oh, that's so poetic. You're a poet. <laughs> no, I wish I was. I mean, my goodness, what a, what a career that could be. Musa is a shy poet. A shy poet. <laughs> Poet that lies. No one's going to believe that for a second. Yeah, um, great question. One from at Ewan Lainert. Oh, we kind of spoke about this. A word on Casey Stoney and her Manchester United team. Felt like a massive achievement to beat City on Sunday. 
a real milestone moment, controlled the game against the top English side. Yep, fair play. Absolutely. And can I just say as well... Uh, I've only read about it. I couldn't see the game, as sh- we've discussed. Shout out to Ewan. Great comeback win for Wales. Yes, it was, it was Welsh. Great comeback win for them against France in the Rugby World Cup. And also a plug for their podcast, Red Voices. Uh-huh. It's an excellent Manchester United podcast. This question is going to be our segue from at Mr. Underscore WP. Where will Marco Rosa's first quote-unquote big job be and why to which i responded to him saying he's already got one yeah like and mention gladback fine side you might argue that lucien Favre kind of cut his teeth in the german league there oh he did gladback are a big club and they have a great youth setup and they play really attractive football really well constructed attacking football and just a great club for let's say you're a kind of the new de bruyne right that's a club you go to to redevelop your craft. You could say De Neuner. <laughs> exactly. Very good. Ooh, what a play on words. You're getting better at this. Thanks, mate. So, um, yeah, I think they are a big club. And if he was to go somewhere else, feels like a cliche to be like, what, like Premier League? No, just Bayern. Just, let him just go Bayern. He's going to go Bayern next. Well, they are in an interesting position, Bayern, at the moment. Yes, they are, because they drew 2-2 with Augsburg on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Lewandowski again. Lethal. Gnabry, again, outstanding. Brilliant assist. Yeah. Bad news about this was Nicolas Zula ruptured his ACL again. Same knee, oh, second and, time in five years. And the future of their centre-back position. That's worrying. Jonathan Harding wrote a really good tweet about this, which I thoroughly agree with. It's a position they underinvested in the summer. Tried to get rid of Boateng. Obviously lost Mats Hummels. Yeah. Now Boateng is really key. He's become a key component for them again. And they wanted to move him on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Hernandez is looking like their best defender. So that's basically what John tweeted. And yeah, can't argue with that. They're almost in a Man City position, weirdly enough. Like with all of those resources. Wild. It's a little bit of complacency. I mean, they've been unlucky at the centre defensive position. You look at what happened to Xavi Martinez, who basically was a couple of injuries away from being one of the best centre backs of his generation. Although he wasn't even a centre back. Unbelievable. Basically, Pepe with a bit less dirtiness. (laughs) Oh, I miss Pepe. Yeah. I mean, he's still playing, obviously, but I miss him. I miss him in Classicos. Of course, of course. It's not Classico. Classico Pepe, Pepe it was... <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> Ultimate supervillain. Never go full Pepe. Never go full Pepe. Or do, alternatively, because it was fun Please to watch. Please do. That was so fun. Please do. Players that annoying shouldn't be that fun, but they've... Oh, my God. He was so great. And you just know that if you're a fan of a rival team and you bumped into Pepe in a bar, you'd end up being charmed... Like beyond I bet he's belief. the best. I bet, nice. like, nice. I bet he's so, so sweet. I bet kids life. love him. Yeah. You know those kids, like, you know those uncles that come along, kids just hanging off every arm, or every, every limb. He's actually a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone off on a tangent massively, have, so let's rein it back in. All right, yeah. so Bayern um, drew to Augsburg. Yeah. Union Berlin won 2-0 two, two at home to Freiburg. Big win for them. That was a much needed win. Yeah. Game of the weekend. See if we pick the same one. I don't know why I've just decided that this is the thing now. Game of the weekend. Say it on three. One, two, three. Interesting. Leipzig. Not Leipzig Wolfsburg. No, that wasn't that good a game. But I don't really enjoy Leipzig Wolfsburg. Oh, did you not? No. And I watched it. I didn't really enjoy it. I think because I like what Wolfsburg have done this year and it was an important point for them. They're unbeaten still, which is wild. Vout Weghorst, they're playing a 3-4-3 this year and they've got... By the way, Vout Weghorst, who looks like he's literally been carved out of stone. That dude, man. He's a monolith. He's enormous. Maybe it's because I, I, I see more of Wolfsburg and their really best performances. I mean, like when they beat Hertha 3-0, I 
um, away was really impressive to me. And I just kind of felt like both teams were a bit out of sync. It still felt that it meant a lot, this game. It did, it did. It was huge. It, it, it reminded me a little bit of the Leipzig Bayern game from earlier on in the season. Good point, yeah. You know, point, that actually. kind of just, this is big. Yeah. And actually it's, it's great that these kind of games felt or are feeling this big this season in the Bundesliga. That's a good point. I think because Leipzig understand they're very much in the mix and they know they're going to be the, they'll probably be the sustained challenger. This is I their think. chance this season. It is, it is. Because really, yeah. a lot of those players are going to get picked off. So it's going to set them back again. Without question. I mean, Kanate, I don't know how much, he's not long for this world. Oh my God. And Timo Werner just looking so much happier in this configuration. Um, yeah, I, I, but I didn't enjoy the game. I actually caught a bit of Werder Hertha as well. I didn't really enjoy the Bundesliga games, to be honest, this. Really? Week. I thought Werder Hertha was a good game as well. Wasn't feeling it. What? I don't like the way Luka Baku is being used. Um, Maybe scored. But I don't like the way he's being used. I don't, when I saw him, I just think that's a guy that you build much more of an attack around and he's almost feeding off scraps. But that, then again, that's Hertha strikers. They never really, they haven't had a consistently creative team for a while now. I know Grujic is playing well for them, but they haven't had, you know, a t- you know what I mean? A team that really is a, a fulcrum of creativity. Yeah. Uh, and that's my concern. Because I just, I just think that when you've got players of that quality, you need to funnel more through them. An example of Bosch ball going wrong Friday night in Frankfurt. Eintracht beat Leverkusen 3-0. I didn't catch that. Oh, that's a big result. I didn't yeah. catch that. Bastos scored a lovely scrappy toe poke. Gotta love that. He was like falling over and just flicked it and it kind of <laughs> went, it was such a terrible goal, but it was a, one of those pouring with rain. Lovely. A lot oh, of rain in the Bundesliga games this, uh, this weekend. It's good. More epic. Uh, the Borussia derby was good. The game of the Borussias. It was. It was actually. And such an important, important, sorry. Important. Important. He went old Bugs Buddy there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very important uh, win for, for Dortmund actually. But what's a bit concerning about Dortmund is they've added these new pieces, Torgan Hazard and Julian Brandt. But the decisiveness is not quite there. Yeah, I mean, Hazard had the ball in the net that got ruled out because of the offside that you mentioned earlier in the, in the show. But despite losing, Gladbach is still top uh, on goal difference. Uh, Wolfsburg are second, still the only side in the Bundesliga undefeated. The mood is really happy up there actually because no one's obviously neither the men and women's teams have lost this. But that's again going to Leipzig and coming away with the point for Wolfsburg is decent. It's a statement and it's a real validation of the tactical setup. And and you wonder if those those drop points at home to Bayern and to Wolfsburg are going to come back and bite Leipzig later on in the season because they you know going into the Bayern game they were on good form. Um you know they're form hasn't been as strong going into this game but I don't think there'll be regretted points actually because the context you know how like there are some games where you play and you're like oh well they shouldn't have that shouldn't have been the score and then you look back 10 games later and you're like actually given how that team's performing that stands as a good result and shout out again I've never shouted that before but uh, Joseph Procalo the winger the wide forward for Wolfsburg who looked like he might be on his way out this summer uh, because they brought in Joao Victor and those two are now looking really good as wingers and I think those, or at least one of those two players might be on their way in the next couple of years just because mm. a bid might come in. Little update on the top half of the Bundesliga, which we said, I think it was five or six points separated the top half of the Bundesliga a couple of weeks ago. Right. Before the international break. It's now two points. That is hilarious. It's so much fun, this league, actually. It's so much fun. Leverkusen in ninth have 14 points. Gladbach are top with 16. Awesome. Love it. Uh, let's go to La Liga. Yep. 
Let's go to sunnier, sunnier climbs. climbs. I made the mistake of watching Sevilla Levante on Sunday night. Which we referred to air traffic control. There were so many crosses. <laughs> I didn't I didn't catch it, thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> Inyaki Williams scored. That was a good game, actually. Athletic against Valladolid. It was a good game. Real Sociedad, though. We had a question on Real Sociedad. Valladolid a lot of fun, by the way. They haven't caught yeah, them yet. Great. They were great fun against Real last season, actually. Yeah. Uh, we had another one from, it was from Santiago Alvaro. Opinions slash thoughts on how Real Sociedad is growing into a really exciting and dangerous team. Ayatha Bell would make a great signing for a lot of the teams in the Premier League as well. I don't want him to go anywhere. I want him to stay. Oh man. Beautiful, beautiful to watch. And with Agnose as well, just such a counter-attacking threat. Scored a goal similar to, um, there's a goal that Lewandowski scored. Uh, I think he scored five goals in like almost no time at all. A beautiful sort of scissor kick. It's not quite spectacular that, but very, very nice of scissor volley against Betis. I mean, Sociedad Betis aesthetically is, do you know sometimes when you see a fixture, a fixture on a list, and you almost can taste it. What's that thing? What's, there's, a, there's a sense where you're... you're talking you about food it. again. Because the food in um, San Sebastian is... Next level. Unreal. So you know, you know when well, there's a specific... What's that, is it synesthesia where you, you hear a sound and you experience a sound as a colour? Oh, yeah. I see certain fixtures and I can almost taste them. And you look at sausage, I bet it's like, oh my goodness, that is... It's, it's mouth-watering. Like you, you can... The quality of player in that game, not just technically, but creatively... Fekir at Betis is, it's ideal. It's my favourite signing. It's, I, it's, it's so ideal. It's the connoisseur signing of the summer, I think. Exactly, and you got Odegaard. I would say that Sociedad's upturn in form coincides with their signing for Nacho Monreal. Monreal was so good. He's so good, though. I, even his, Such his, a great move for him, I think. From his first few games at Arsenal, I just thought this player is just, you know, you could see the level was just raised. And again, that kind of football doesn't quite get their due. There are so many like that. I mean, I should do it. We should probably do a podcast Massively one day. Massively underrated. I thought I should do a podcast one time about like truly underrated players, not just kind of players who everyone goes, oh my God, they're so underrated. Like Firmino. Like Gary Neville. Talk, <laughs> Gary Neville about Firmino. Oh my goodness, I love this player. He doesn't get 25 goals. But it's like, yeah, yeah, everyone rates Firmino. Like it's not that deep. But actually Monreal, one of those players that I just always thought added so much quality. I really like Real Sociedad. There's always teams to watch every season in La Liga, no matter how in their position in the league it was always watch Betis then it became never watch Betis under Kike Setien Be- <laughs> Betis <laughs> in a season managed to go from always watch Betis never watch Betis always watch Betis mm, not so sure anymore Atleti is now always root for Atleti never watch Atleti yeah Jal Felix went off injured on the weekend watch them don't root for them root for them but don't watch them I think is Atleti now they're becoming a tough watch Atleti at the moment not gonna lie it's like I've said this before it's like unseasoned chicken it is. It's like unseasoned meal. No, because they are. They no, 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 no. I don't. I don't. The I don't ingredients buy that. are there, but no one's no because the ingredients are so there. So much spice in that team. What are you talking it, about? It's there, but it's it's not been marinated. No, I think. I think. Do you know what I think it is? I think it's just it's tough. It's, it's been overcooked. Ca- it's caught between two seasoned, systems. It's seasoned fine. It's just been overcooked. So you look at the things. The thing about Atleti this year, they're caught between two two philosophies. When they play more open. They look weak down the middle, down the throat. They never look weak down the throat for many years. And the kind of chances that have been created against them at the weekend by Valencia, who are a good team, were coming in these central positions. And that never really used to happen before. It was disrespectful almost, the kind of chances Valencia were getting in that central position. So almost Simeone is trying to think maybe, I want to transition to a more attacking team, which shores up the centre back positions. And it's no coincidence that Hernandez is looking so good for Bayern while he's struggling so much. Simeone to replicate defensive solidity at Letty. And he's ended up with nothing of either. 
They're scoring a goal a game. They're creating very little. Not scoring from open play very much. They scored a penalty the weekend. And I think they're in this really strange and difficult position of how do we maintain attacking intensity while being defensively strong. And unfortunately, the person that can turn that around for them is called Antonio Conte. <laughs> He's the one person that could come into that squad with everyone still there and make them brilliant in attack as well as defence. I think uh, Spurs and Athletic should do a manager swap. Oh my goodness. Do you know why that's so spicy? Because that's a job that Pochettino could absolutely take. The Espanyol problem's not there. Fits. Oh my goodness. They both fit. There's not, there's not the noise of Real Madrid. Simeone at Spurs would terrify Guardiola. He, wouldn't like, he would not like that problem at all. And that's when you'd see Pep go to Roma. <laughs> yes I'm out of here. I, was like, I don't need this what's that meme on Twitter of the black guy that does his like the two fingers and, <laughs> and disappears it's like that disappearing juices nobody wants any of that problem no one wants Simeone in the Premier League under any circumstances no, run Pep out of the league do you know what he would do though you know Simeone at Everton you know he would create oh my word that oh now that because you know he'd get the money to spend you know they'd recruit smartly oh my god yeah he would bring the chain mail to Everton. Nobody wants that problem. Simeone on Merseyside, forget it. That's spicy. Sorry, I mean, I, that probably is never going to happen, but... We should start, we should create a meme. We need to start talking about it so it, it manifests. Let's yeah, speak it into... We're not big enough to create rumours yet. Listen, listen, listen. A butterfly, the butterfly effect. Our humble podcast, the humble stereo podcast. Simeone to Merseyside, Simeone to Everton. Whisper it, whisper it. It shall manifest. I've said it, I've said my piece. Shree, get out of here. Moose is losing his mind. <laughs> I just want it to happen, that's all. That would be great. We're off to London this week. We are, to do a couple of interviews. Very exciting. More will be revealed soon. It will indeed. We're going to meet the Arsenal game on Thursday. Should do some Instagram story action. We could do, yeah. Hashtag, bit- we're here tonight. Hashtag, Stadio. Stadio at the game. Stadio at the stadium. Bit of content. Ooh, stadio at the stadio. If you do listen to the Stadio podcast on iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now, Please leave us a rating and a review. It really Please helps do. us grow the podcast. Check us on Instagram at Stadio Football, Twitter at Stadio. Otherwise, yeah. Have a oh, great we're playing, playing out. Playing yeah, out. we're playing out this week on Sylvester. I need somebody to love tonight. Oh. The, the groove on this one, man. Levels, levels. Uh. Uh. Can't Let's wait. Let's get out of here. <laughs> take it out. Take us out. Take Back us out. next week. Ha 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 